0: We're not an endless dream. If them tonight went on a crooked tree
1: Welcome, everyone. This is another episode of That Record Got Me. Hi, I'm your host, Rob Elba. It's wonderful having you all here with me. I am here It is a uh, Alright, this this may blow some of you away Because it's very confusing to me But it is Thursday It is Thursday afternoon here But I'm talking to someone That it is Friday uh, morning for them So the one thing I was going to ask him If maybe he could Google Like the lottery now, Like the California lottery numbers for me And maybe I could uh, do that But I I, I don't right, think Right, because that... I'm in the future Yeah, that's what That's to me That's how I feel But I guess it, it doesn't really work <laughs> Like that So uh, I'd like to introduce my guest. You may know my guest as the uh, songwriter and co-founder of the Providence, Rhode Island band, Velvet Crush. He
0: has
1: worked with... uh, bunch of people. Matthew Sweet, Mitch Easter, Roger McGuinn, Susanna Hoffs, and many others. He's, he's one half of the duo The Small Square, along with drummer, percussionist, and vocalist John Lewis Richardson. And their latest release on Farm to Label Records is called Ours and Others. All right. How did I do? I think I got all that in. I'd like to welcome the show, Paul Chastain. You got got
2: everything in there. Awesome. Welcome to the show, Paul. Hey, how's it going, Rob? Thanks for having me, man.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for being on. And Paul, all right, so spoiler alert, I let it off, but you are in uh, Japan, right?
2: I'm in Japan. I'm in um, the Hyogo Prefecture, and uh, I live about, um, it's kind of like, I like to describe it as sort of midway between uh, Kobe and Osaka City, up in the mountains. How long have you been there now? I've been here a few years, maybe like uh, almost 10 years, I guess.
1: Okay, so how does a guy that's played for many years in Providence, Rhode Island, and uh, how do you how do you end up in uh, Japan? How did that happen?
2: Uh, well, um, really through music, I guess I would have to say. My wife is Japanese, and um, she was a fan of uh, both the Matthew Sweet Band and the Velvet Crush Band. And I actually met her at a show in America long ago. And then... Um, We were just kind of friends and pen pals and stuff, and then. um, But later on, um, I we met her kind of when I came over here. I think I was doing um, I think it was we were doing Summer Sonic with the Matthew Sweet band. Summer Sonic's one of the big festivals they do here, and I think we were doing that. And I think that she met up with us then and was sort of um, um, kind of like offered to sort of cruise, direct us around to you know sightsee and do some things if we had some downtime. So um, I spent some time with her then, and then. One thing leads to another, I guess you might yeah, say. I guess so. <laughs> that's awesome, though. So, yeah, I spent 10 years in uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, but I'm actually from the Midwest. I'm from uh, Champaign, Illinois, which is where I know John uh, Richardson from because we were in uh, fledgling bands, you know, around the same time period. I'm a little bit older than he is, but, but that's where we our connections from.
1: Okay. And, and yeah, so this project now, the, uh, small square. So you guys, uh, basically work together this way. You like work on songs and write them with you in Japan and
2: him. Where, where is he living? He, he uh, lives in uh, Menominee, Wisconsin. He has a studio there, a commercial studio. And so what happens is, Rob, we, you know, I like do demos and stuff and then um, generally once or twice we'll get together, like I'll come to the States and we'll spend a week or a few days or whatever we have um, working out whatever we have. You know what I mean? I'll bring some songs. He has some ideas, whatever. Right. We'll work on stuff we have there and with the goal being at least to get sort of um, basic track, something done. So So generally we don't, Finish the recording at the same time we started. Sometimes it happens, but usually we're just trying to get through to get stuff to work on. Then when I, you know, I, I'm only there for a limited time, so once I um, come back here, I I work on stuff here at at my home. So um, that's kind of the way it's been going. Okay, yeah,
1: but uh, so yeah, the latest release, like I said, it's on Farm to Label Records, and it's called Hours and Others. And uh, yeah, I downloaded it the other day, and I've been listening to it. Good night. To tie in, I think, with what we're talking about today, and I, and I I could totally see why you're uh, you're a fan of of this artist. We're gonna talk about. But it is very, it's just so well put together and you could tell there's a lot of craft uh, gone on with it. And I, I guess maybe that's part of it, the fact that you get to like, um, you know, go back and forth with it and sort of think about things and, and sort of think about what will work with it. And it just makes it all very, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's—it's uh, just, It's just very, like I said, it's very meticulously put together. Well, I mean, th- the songs are great. At the end of the day, you got to have good songs and you do, but I just feel like they're crafted, so well and it's just it's just really great
2: that's nice to hear um we i'm pretty slow at working on stuff you know even even the writing phase a lot of them take a while for them to come together so a lot of times when i go to the studio and hook up with john i don't even have a full song like i'll have like sometimes i do sometimes i have a full demo you know and uh, but sometimes i just have like bits of a song or i have an idea like this could be a song and i have the bits i don't have and i have a phrase or something like that so all different things. And then sometimes he'll have like the first song in the record, for instance, a song called 23rd. That's an idea that he had and he played for me. It came there once on piano. He played this little bit on piano and I said, Oh, I really like that. I, you know, I can, I could finish that and I can come up with something for that. And so what we did on the spot was kind of put together like a little song form of it and it needed a part. So I made up another part for it. We put it together right on the spot and then um, recorded the piano and Maybe some other things along, went along with it right at that moment, but it was not a song really, it was just sort of a, a you know, a string of chords put into progression. That you know, so it, so it slowly became a song, and then over time, you know, we added bits to it. And so, I do have a lot of time to think about what, uh, you know, what I wanted to do, right? Uh, when, when initially, I don't know, you know what I mean. When we initially, when I heard that song, I just felt like it's got possibilities, you know, it's like it's got a lot of possibilities, and that's about all I as far as I could go with it, but I knew I could you know, make something more out of it. I didn't know what. So I do have time, though, to, to do that. When I bring it back home, I got a different perspective going. I'm just sitting here with it. I'm like, oh, you know, I think I could do this. And, and sometimes I'll send it back to him and he'll have people, uh, other people put stuff on it that he works with because he, on a daily basis, practically works with other musicians from the area and from uh, other places, too. And so we have uh, several um, guest contributors on this uh, recording. Which is fun, you know. It takes it in a whole de- other direction, also that I can't predict. Which, you know, then I have to go. Oh, now what is it? You know, right, <laughs> like, right, right, right. But that's part of the the, the process, I think. Of some, but some of some songs are not like that. Sometimes they are just like, I have the song, we're bringing it in, and we do it kind of like I had it. And then there's other songs on the record. I brought. I had a demo made, and John says, "I like the song. Can we do it a whole different way?" <laughs> like, right, 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 right. <laughs> so it blows my demo out, and we just reconstruct the song, but you based on my parts and everything, you know, based on the the form and the the chords and the words and stuff that are there so it it allows us to kind of since we're not jamming it all together at one trying to cram it in and finish a record you know within a, a few days um, we have time to kind of mess with it. And I'm pretty bad at doing that. I like, you know, I take full advantage of it. you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, I really, I, uh... I could totally get that. And there's a, you know, don't get me wrong. There's some great records that were made like that in a time crunch they have, but but uh, a lot of times you have, you know, I'm, you obviously, you know, you played in bands, uh, you know, for so long that you, sometimes you just have like two weeks in a studio and that's it and you got to get it done yeah. and you don't. Yeah, so it's a very... Artistic way to go about it I feel like the way you're doing it And the proof is in the pudding Because, you know, like I said Great music can be made all different ways But this is one way to do it, it yeah. Really, yeah, it really comes out uh, great And like I said, I can't recommend it enough uh, You can go to, I guess Your website is smallsquaremusic.com But I also got it from the smallsquare.bandcamp.com. You can get it right from there So I guess they can, people can Yeah, and it's, it.
2: it's really available um, the, the label is, is John john's label it's like a label arm of his studio that he had just started recently and so um the the benefit the big benefit of it is that we have super wide distribution now so you can kind of get you can stream these or download them anywhere that that's doable pretty much in addition to our you know our sites and stuff too so it should be not too hard to find all For right. a change, <laughs> yeah, right? Right?
1: Yeah, I know. I know because that's the uh, that's the other challenge. Actually, getting uh, you make this uh, beautiful music. You, it really is. You want people to hear it. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, so let's tie this in. Let's uh, let's not keep people in suspense, but of course they're not because when the episode
2: comes out, they see the band. But who are we? Uh, what's the record and what's the artist we're talking about? Well, you know, I was I was digging through stuff and um, trying to come up with something to be fun to talk about and maybe something that people wouldn't associate uh, or think about necessarily the first thing with me, like some power pop band, which I would right, right, right. easily do as well. But I sort of I sort of started looking way back, and then um, you know, I I ran across this, and uh, it just you know I forgot how huge it kind of was, um, not just this record, but all three of his records. Um, all three of the records from Nick Drake, that's the artist I've chosen. And this um, uh, is the second record called Brighter Later, which um, I'm not sure if it's his favorite one of people's or not, but, but I, I really love it. And uh, part of it is because it's different from the other two, maybe. I, I could have easily talked about the other two, I think, as well. But um, I really love the songwriting and, uh, you know, the sort of folk thing that he the English, you know, folk rock thing that he Ooh. comes from. And, and, but I really love also the, um, the production and the arrangements on the record are really killer. I think the, uh, the string arranger, I think his name was uh, Kirby. Um, just kicked ass so much on this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, it's like, and beautiful. Then Joe Boyd produced and everything about it is, and it's got Richard Thompson on it. I mean, you know, you can't go wrong with that. So, um, right, I, uh, I don't know. I just, I just, uh, there's so many, on all the, on all the levels um i think it it appeals to me and 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 i guess influenced me maybe
1: yeah and and i was really this was a, because i i of course the the two records i knew more by him were a uh, pick moon you know after that and then i knew uh, five uh, five leaves left we actually did that uh like early on in the show uh uh someone brought in oh, that yeah, uh, yeah album, that. and and we did that so th- i was more familiar with that but yeah this album was kind of like a revelation to me because it is, as you said, that that was the one tie in I put with your project. It's just that it's so crafted and there's so there, there's such beautiful music in there and with the strings and the pianos and, and his his playing, his acoustic uh, playing, his guitar yeah. playing sometimes I feel like that's overlooked, you know, because it's you know, people, Oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah and yeah. his songs and his voice. they well, focus on more Well I think at the more. time the
2: whole thing was kind of, it seemed like the from what I was reading the whole thing was kind of because I came to it later to this record later but uh, the whole thing was kind of overlooked at the time or right we just lost right. in the shuffle but it's really got some amazing stuff on it this uh, you know the songs basically you know uh, are are there and they could be um produced any number of ways but i really think what they did with it um stand makes it stand out to me in, in a way you know and i really like i really i just like the way the horns and the and the strings especially sound. And I love Richard Thompson's playing. I love John Cale's playing. on solo. Yes, like, oh my God, yeah. Which I, is unusual, I, I, but so great, you know, that stuff that he did yeah
1: yeah and and I guess I'd read that he wasn't sure uh Nick Drake wasn't sure whether he he would like what John Cale was bringing to it. He was sort of unsure, but then in the end he he did he, and and it's great, yeah, it, it definitely brings it uh to a different realm and i guess i read did you read that um you would mention the ranger Robert uh, Kirby? Uh, he said that, Robert
2: Kirby, yeah.
1: Yeah, he said that Drake sort of intended the instrumentals to evoke, like, a, a Pet Sounds-type type thing, I guess. I, I
2: read that. that, and you know what? I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know that when I was getting into and it, and it doesn't necessarily sound like Pet Sounds to right, me. But, right, but right, right. No, no. It makes sense. The record influenced, you know, maybe everyone that was making records, whether they admitted it or not, and, but I didn't know that that was sort of a goal of his. I, I never read about it. Uh, right, right. No. And back in the day, I just, you know, heard the music liked it. So I, I learned that later, but um, I, I can see it. It, it. it makes sense, sort of, you know, it makes sense. And, that, and especially, you know, the instrumentals that are on, you know, the beginning and the end and the middle there, um, though, that's kind of Pet Sounds-ish maybe, you know?
1: Right, right. Even, even doing that, even like having an instrumental on, especially since, he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, folk, like that's not necessarily something you would you would expect to have on a folk album. but Exactly. Uh,
2: yeah. exactly.
1: yeah. So is this, so were you, uh, were you and Nick Drake, fan early on or is this something you sort of stumbled across at some point or what's your nick drake uh Um, it was more like uh
2: probably like in the I, i was trying to remember i don't really know when i first came to it it wasn't this record first probably i heard pink moon or or five leaves left first and then uh but probably like the late 80s or something like that you know right before uh you know when i was younger i was you know first first aware of music when i was like a teenager something i was, i really liked folk stuff and especially i was into like uh, Simon and Garfunkel because i loved the you know the melodic stuff and i loved the harmonies i was really sort of fascinated early on by harmony stuff but i but i did like that sort of folk folk thing you know and um this is a little bit different you know and i when i when i heard this it, it appealed to me on that level but then i was like oh wow this is like this is that realm but not like that at all and um i don't know it, it just somehow Touched me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what about it or anything, but it just appealed. I like the sort of you know morose (laughs) and sort of bittersweet kind of sounds of everything, and I like you know the guitar sound, like the sound of his voice, just just all of it.
1: Um, yeah and 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 it it's always been a thing like like you I think you're um you're a common to most people that a lot of people discovered Nick Drake like later way past uh when he passed away because uh we said this was his second album uh released in uh March 1971 and 3 years later after he completed uh, Pink Moon he kind of stopped playing he stopped recording yep. And yeah, and he died uh, at the age of 26 in 1974, I guess from yeah. uh, he was on antidepressants and it was an overdose of antidepressants. But yeah, I mean, what a sad thing. And then, yeah, many people discovered him like after the fact.
2: I think that's true. Uh, it, it's it's sad that he wasn't more recognized in his time for his own sake, because uh, it certainly was worthy of of that. You yeah. Know, yeah. You, re-
1: I'm just thinking you as a kid being into Simon and Garfunkel. if you had heard this at that time, you would be into
2: this too, I would think. I have, yeah, I think so. I think I would have, I just did, you know, it was way beyond my, my realm you know, right, at right, that point. Right, right. But um, yeah, definitely. But, but that was kind of the next step. And then, you know, um, Dylan happened in there too sometimes. So that, that brought another sort of level of awareness to kind of, um, you know, the folky genre and stuff. So I don't know, but, but then, you know, all the other um, British Folk rock stuff. That's kind of a you know in, in, that this is in the realm of and associated with um, all that stuff. I became fans of as, uh, a fan of as well, but I think probably this preceded that. You know, this like Nick Drake was sort of almost introduction into that instead of the other way around.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Come on, and the Come on. Rungy,
2: you're Like into into Fairport Convention and uh, and Sandy Denny and that kind of stuff, and I think this was the beginning of that for me. Really, this this uh, the three records by uh, Mr. Drake.
1: Yeah, it's just uh, it's just really um, every time I I, I, every time I sort of. uh, Revisit him again, it's always like that same feeling of wow, it's it, it this is so good, but it's also so tragic that he had such a short, you know, yeah. short career, short life. But I you
2: know, I kinda love those kind of, kind of records. It's, it's sort of like a Big Star Third in a way too, where that's you know,
0: Your eyes are almost dead can get out of bed and you can sleep. you sitting down to dress
2: and you're a mess. It's got some really beautiful moments and some really like destroyed moments on yes, it. And it was yes. you know, kind of the last thing that was output by them more or less as a group and similar in that way. But I also loved, you know, I could have talked about that record, too, because, but they're similar in that way. These the, the stories, I guess, of the you know, of the bands and kind of doomed. Right. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. But it's, but it's very sad that he wasn't recognized in his, in his day for the for the greatness um, that he's done here, I think. But they, but you know, they live on, they live on and on. Oh, they, they do for sure. But I
1: always wonder, it's like, there was no way you could, because the it, it's like uh, you already know the whole story and you know what happened to him. So you can't help but listen to it with that in you. I always wonder what it would it's be
0: true. like it's to true. just
2: listen to it before all that, when you didn't know, it was just like some new artist. Yeah, I don't you know. know. That's a good question. A, we don't have that advantage, but uh, I, I'm also bummed out when I read reading that you know it wasn't very that that well received back in the day. I know. right. I some just... of the comments that the reviewers made. It's like, well, it's pretty boring, or like you know the songs aren't great. The production's good. The produ- songs aren't great. Like, well, what? What are you talking about? I know like, that is not true, right? <laughs> like, what are you comparing it to? That was that it was. I mean, you know, because this is stands pretty tall. I think against whatever was happening at the time, but um, apparently, you know everyone didn't agree at that time so i wonder what it was like to have that like right you know that non-perspective like that we have yep exactly exactly
1: so um yeah so it does as you mentioned it does open up with the with the instrumental it's just called introduction and i'll play that i'll probably play that at the beginning of the episode but that'll be in there but it's very pretty but then uh this is, yeah yeah it, it's nice and then it sort of brings you into the second song uh which is the it's funny it's hazy jane two so he put he's got the hazy jane one and two but he put hazy jane two uh first and richard thompson as you'd mentioned he's on electric guitar on this one which is awesome right
2: anytime you add richard thompson to something i'm serious yeah yeah no doubt (laughs) (laughs) but you know what? i like the introduction thing i think if you had come off of listening to five leaves left and then you you hear this and you're like what's what's happening it was smart because in? and this then is, there's no singing and then you're like what's going on but it really does set up I think a nice field to uh, to bring in the rest of the the tracks you know after that and I, I like it it gives you kind of like oh, okay. I'm right. Getting, I'm getting prepared. I'm getting prepared. Here. I agree.
1: It actually, yeah, it's sort of eases you into it because this, Hazy Jane 2, is pretty upbeat for a Nick Drake song. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> it's
2: a, it's a, it could be a little jarring. It could be a little jarring.
1: It could be a little jar. Yeah. And also, one thing interesting, I guess, I mean, you probably noticed it. I don't know if you did, but it doesn't really have a chorus, it, which is kind of cool. It just has a verse right. and these verses and maybe kind of a bridge, but it doesn't really have a chorus, but it's still. Yeah. 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 It's great. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of Hazy Jane 2.
0: and so secure amongst the books and all the records of your lifetime What will happen in the morning when the world gets so crowded that you can't look out the window in the morning
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's like um, some of the lyrics in here. It's it's the same thing I was saying before. It, it's so hard to read them and not think about about him and maybe what he what you know he was going through in his personal life and everything. Uh, when he says, "And all the friends that you once knew are left behind, they kept you safe and so secure yeah. uh, amongst the books and all the records of your lifetime." I mean,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think you're right, and I, I never really thought about it that way. But you can't listen to it without thinking of. <laughs> You know, how that was how that was for him and what led what that led to or, you know, contributed to and all that. So, yeah, it makes it I think that does give it uh, the whole his whole catalog, an extra layer of um, emotional, like depth and um, something that really pulls you in because you're like the tragedy of it. Like, you know, it's like you're witnessing part of the the unfolding uh, tragedy.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
2: But it's so beautiful, you know it is and I really alright so this
1: one you have like we said you have Richard Thompson playing and you have those horns which are really great and I guess there's there's probably two camps because you could hear most of these songs you could hear him he could have easily done them like Pink Moon with him basically playing acoustic
0: and singing he could have done them that yeah. way A day one storm and it was beautiful A day one Stone front.
1: So I guess you could hear, so. I'm sure maybe there's some people that think it would have been better that way. And this is just, you know, stuff added that didn't need to, but I I feel like it's done so well and, and it actually, it, it adds to everything and, and everything sounds great, but it's just, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm sure there are people. I, mean, I, think
2: I, well. I think it would stand up. I think the songs would stand up, but I really think that the arrangements ended up, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but becoming a big part of the, the tracks each each song kind right. of has its own thing and um to me that makes it stand out and also that i like that just thinking about his catalog the other the other two records the other two records aren't like that you know they really aren't like that right they're more stripped down and stuff which is what you would expect and they're great in that way too but i like that this isn't that way um i don't know i'm not sure if it succeeded what he was trying to do or not I can't explain it exactly, but like the horns and stuff on there. I really love that. I don't know. I I, I don't know if I would do that on a song or not, but I, I uh, really like that. And that, and the way that they did, it was like you said, so well done and so tasteful that, um, I just think it all really works.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it's funny because we're all, we're looking at it all that hindsight we're like there's no way of us knowing for sure whether he was down with it and this was his, or you could also see a producer sort of saying, Oh, well let's try this. This might be cool. And thinking, you know, in a way maybe it'll get uh, played on the radio more commercial, but there was really no way of knowing for sure. You know, I
2: don't really know um, the interaction between him and Nick and Joe Boyd. I don't know who, it seemed like that was uh, put forth. That was uh, more of a concept to be sort of Pet Sounds influenced, or whatever he wanted right, to get right, out of that. Right. But but where did Joe Boyd stand on that? Where did you know? How did he band, and and what did he bring to this? Like did he say, well, we should do this instead, or did he say like, well, okay, if you want if we want to do that, then here's what we should you know. Like where was he? Where were they working together on it? Because obviously he has you know he's an awesome producer and he had um, a lot to say about it and do with it. You know. Right, 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 right.
1: All right. So the next song. At the chime of a city clock, for me, this is um, partly. I feel like it's about the isolation that one can feel living in a city, like in a big city. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I definitely feel that in 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 this one. Uh, Let's listen to a little bit of "At the Chime of a City Clock."
0: City freeze. Get on your knees. I pray for warmth and green paper. A city draw You're down and out. I see your trousers do taper. a saddle up. I kick your feet. I ride the range of a London street. I travel to. A local plane Turn around and come back again And at the chime of a city clock Put up your road clock Hang on to your ground For a stone in a tin can Is wealth to the city man Who leaves his arm
1: So you, there you have the Robert Kirby strings in there. Um, yeah,
2: so good. When they, when they start right there at the chorus part, it's like, wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, it, it, it's great. And, and also one thing that I'm always, uh, that, that I just always love about Nick Drake, and it's funny, we just did an episode recently on Lou Barlow. Are you a fan of uh, Lou Barlow at all and some of his solo work? If security gives way.
0: Is there something I could do or say to bring you
1: Yeah, yeah, because the uh, it, it, it's funny. The um, the guest actually pointed out that he loved he was a fan of Lou Barlow's singing style, and he was also very uh, he loved Nick Drake. And they had the same oh. thing where, where neither of them push their voice, like they don't push it. It's very, it's very restrained, right. and very understated.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true. Yeah, I love the quality of his voice. It's on all three of the records, but it really is uh, I don't know, it really sort of. Pulls you into it somehow.
1: It does. It it pulls you in because it's so uh, gentle. Like he's so gentle about everything and he's never like forcing it or pushing it, but it sort of makes you, like you said, it, it draws you in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. So one of these things first, uh, I guess this, see, this is another one. Like I said, it's like, cause I feel like it's about, you know, obviously it's about like dreams of things that could have been. And it's like, so heartbreaking when you consider, you know, him, but it's like when it, when he did it, when it came out, none of that existed yet. So it's just so, uh, yeah, it's so crazy.
2: Yeah. I think this is, this is probably my favorite one on this side of the record. It really comes across and uh, is is yeah, it's kind of heartbreaking. It, uh, just hearing the, what he's talking about, you know, I'm Right, the, I mean, could it have is... been this and that and the other. Very sad, and the arrangements it supports that exquisitely, you know.
1: Yes, yes, for sure. All right, so let's do a little bit of one of these things first.
0: could have been a sailor, could have been a cook A real life lover, could have been a book I could have been a signpost, could have been a clock As simple as a cattle, steady as a rock I could be here and now I would be, I should be, but I I could have been But what are these things first? I could have been
1: Uh, yeah, and I, I just want to point out real quick that the uh, that the playing on that you got uh, Ed Carter on bass, Mike Kowalski on drums, who also played for the Beach Boys. They were like session uh, right. musicians for the Beach Boys. Yeah. Get some more of that Pet Sounds in there. Exactly, exactly. Which, uh, like you said, at the end of the day, it really doesn't sound anything like Pet Sounds. But the 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 idea of it and the um the the vibe, I think he was you know just going for something like that. But not you know obviously he was his own person and a true artist, so he's not going to just.
2: Yeah, I thought maybe it was sort of like that you wanted to use other instruments, you know, other instruments like, I mean, you know, Brian Wilson used a, a lot of other instruments yes. on Pet Sounds, So obviously he wasn't trying to get like, oh, we need to get the bass harmonica in here and all that. But right. but I think maybe just saying, like, um, you know, other another range of instruments on, onto my recordings, like, you know, another thing that we haven't gone to yet, you know, inspired by, but not, you know, emulating uh, Pet Sounds kind of thing. Right, right. Exactly, but anyway, uh, the, the, that one's, that one's got a great, great arrangements, and the piano is killer on that. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. And this
1: was actually this was the one song that I knew already. I, I uh, even before coming to this, I realized, oh yeah, I must have I like had this on mixtapes or something like that because this I, I really knew this song, and it's and it's so great. Yeah, I think this is one that a lot of people know. Right, right, but it's also you would think it's it's crazy to me that it's not like more well known. You know, a song that's kind of like a classic. You know. <laughs> like Yeah, yeah, I uh, know what you're saying. Yep. Like a classic uh, uh Paul Simon's uh, Simon and Garfunkel song or something like that, you know, because it's just that good.
2: What is the more famous is it like Pink Moon? Is that the most known Nick Drake song you think?
1: I think so, but I think also that is more because it was in like a commercial, like remember it was yeah, in it was that in like, like, Volkswagen, Volkswagen
0: commercial. So it written on so a It sounded great on, but like, right.
1: <laughs> when it came on, you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. And I think this one also, uh, one of these things first was in some uh, movie. I forget off the top of my head. I oh think, yeah. But Maybe. it was in a movie. That was kind of well known. Yeah, that's kind of how it's things fair. work these days, right? You get your, <laughs> Song on a uh, on a TV show. Well, I at, mean, it
2: exposes, it exposes it to a lot wider audience because there's people hearing that that would never ever pick up a Nick Drake record, you know. But then, not to say they wouldn't like the the music on it, you know, right. they just wouldn't know. Yes, they have probably seen it in a record store, like, oh, I don't know what that is, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know. Do you
1: ever go? Do you ever go on YouTube? Like you're listening to a song on YouTube, and all the comments are, oh, I'm here because of uh, Gray's Anatomy or something like that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, right. But, you know, fair enough. I mean, that's, that's the way people can, if that can get some people some other their ears on these songs. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, no, no,
1: I have no problem. Yeah, that's
2: cool. Yeah, as <laughs> long know, as kids, you're
1: putting good, uh, like, a, like a whole
2: other couple of generations of people, you know. Right, right, right.
1: All right, so now we have uh, Hazy Jane uh, one closing out the first closing out the yeah the first side. Now, when you so did you ever finally like you got into this? Would, by the time you got this, was was it still vinyl or was it
2: uh, CDs already or tape? Um, I di- I did not have the vinyl. I don't know if it was. I think it might have been still available, but maybe not. It was pretty pretty far down. I mean, this was I, I, yeah. I never I never had the vinyl of this. Right. <laughs> That's you all know. right. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had the Right, I, I love yeah. the cover and stuff I love the photo and all that it looks so great
1: I think so too but I read I guess there was a problem with that at first too like I don't know if they redid it or they weren't He, he yeah wasn't I, mean, happy I read with there it. was a
2: problem but I don't know what the problem was <laughs> right exactly it's, it's cool though it is I think it is um, yeah with his uh, shoes
1: off like in front of him yeah mm-hmm. I like it uh, all right so yeah this does close the first side let's just do a little bit of Hazy Jane
2: one Hazy Jane one
1: Like, would you consider yourself a lyrics guy, like a, a, a guy that really listens to lyrics and digs into it? Or are you more a music
2: guy? Um, I like I like lyrics, but yeah, I think it's a mix of both. I, I, I do really like the lyrics. I mean, I think it has to do with I think getting the right lyric can can sort of make or break the other part. You know, like if you have if the lyrics are not quite a good fit for the music, then the music's messed up. You know, right. So right. I think I think it's equal. Uh, equal parts in that. I do love the, the words of these songs are, are pretty great. Um,
1: Yeah. I I think so too, because I think in, in in a way they're, they're simple. They're very simple, but they just seem very like relatable. You know, and honest. Like, uh, do you curse, he, he opens it up, do you curse where you come from? Do you swear in the night? Would it mean much uh, to you if I treat you right? Do you like what you're doing? Would you do it some more, or will you stop once and wonder what
2: you're doing it for?
1: It's just, it's very simple, but like I said, it just seems pretty very pretty simple, but his
2: delivery of it, and, and the way he does it, it, it has such a weight to it somehow. Yes, yeah, exactly. You know, like it, like a, someone else could say those same words in a different melody, in a different, the way they sing it, and it might not have the same impact Because it's something about his, it's just coming from his, you know, soul or something. You have that feeling, you know, like any great sort of song like that. I guess. Hey, I was noticing at time the the extra sort of drum stuff on there was kind of Pet Sounds ish. Yes, yes, I was just. It's funny me listening to it. I think it's listed as two drummers on the on the credits here. I'm trying to see. It looks like there's two drummers listed, so maybe uh, maybe that was Mr. Kowalski doing the you know that stuff. Yep. Yep.
1: Um, Yeah. And the bass very upfront. Uh, I guess that's a uh, Dave Peg yeah. on this one, but very so that up.
2: one. I was hearing a little more, but but you know what? Up to the up to. Now I hadn't thought of that at all <laughs> Right right yeah
1: well that's a great yeah sometimes When we do it that's when I really even though I'll listen To the record a bunch before when I'm sitting here And we're both listening to it in yeah. the headphones Then it really comes across And yeah it's great I think that's something that you wouldn't Have gotten if it was just like a simple folk You know guitar hymn uh, But once again right when he starts it out So many of the uh, folk players You just sort of overlooked that they were really Good uh, guitar players too
2: Yeah that was amazing that stuff there it made me think that like people that like uh, you know Jose Gonzalez or something should should know where that came from because it, it came it came from like here <laughs> right right right, right. <laughs> it sounds really a lot like uh, stuff that it, you know he inspired and influenced a lot of other people uh, later on uh, in, in in a lot of different ways but I mean that sound yeah I mean those I mean I think it was probably pretty One stiff competition back then you know like the you know you had to really kind of to get in the door to get Joe Boyd to produce you you know I mean you're not going to be. A crappy guitar player, right, probably, right. you know? Right,
1: <laughs> Exactly,
2: exactly. He's got a lot of stuff going on. He doesn't need to try to prop you up, you know, so... yeah. But it is overlooked. I don't think people say, hey, you know, um, Nick Drake was a great guitar player. You know, I think yeah. he probably was, but uh, yeah. And definitely had his own style going, you know?
1: Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, so we start uh, side two with another instrumental. This is the title track. Let's do a little bit of the title track, Brighter Later. really nice. and it's funny just just now going through it now i kind of see more like at first i read oh pet sounds i don't see that at all but but you can with this you can see how he's just making these little soundscape things
2: i'm, I'm hearing more of it too rob i'm like yeah i'm hearing more of it maybe i'm listening for it now well but maybe more, but, but who knows noticing you now with the flutes <laughs> and stuff. it's cool but i gotta say that uh like side two of this record is really to me the the meat of the tomato this is like where it I mean, I love side one, but I think side two is pretty uh, flawless. And my favorite song is the next song. The oh, first one God, that I fly. really gravitated towards. is I, Maybe the first one I, not the first one I heard, maybe, but the first one that I went like, oh, oh my. You know, like uh, Fly was the song.
1: And, yes, and you got John on of viola uh, uh, and the harpsichord. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's definitely just sort of... Uh, Elev- he definitely elevates it, I feel like, and yeah, this is like really but
2: but like the, the singing on it and stuff, it really sort of epitomizes to me the the Nick Drake thing, and uh, I, you know, this is like maybe my favorite Nick Drake song.
1: Yep, yep, same. All right, so let's do a little bit of the fly.
2: It's so good. <laughs>
0: Please, give me a second grace Please, give me a second face I've fallen far down The first time around Why oh, just sit on the ground in your way Now, if it's time for recompense for what's done Come, come sit down on the fence in the sun And the clouds will roll by And we'll never deny It's really too hard All right. So,
1: Paul, there's one thing I I, I wanted to ask you, uh, something that I sort of was thinking about. I never like when I listen to Nick Drake, I never or I usually never feel like he's singing to anyone in particular.
2: I feel like he's more of almost singing to himself. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's that's good. Like statements about this and that and the other just kind of putting it out like. Right, right, right. Yeah. Observer, like he's kind of the uh
1: observer of things,
2: yes. But this one a little more personal and a little more hopeful,
1: kind of right. Well, I was wondering that though. I'm thinking, is it? But <laughs> yeah, it is in a way, <laughs> <laughs> I agree. But it's all but it's also uh wistful, it's all very wistful sounding, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just um, you know. Uh, I just, it's a very a uh, gentle way that he uh, presents songs. And you know, he's, these songs, and it all feels very uh, personal, I feel like.
2: Yeah, very. Man, the uh, the viola on that is just so evocative.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's beautiful. And, John and, Cale and, Cale. And, and, and it almost makes me sad. It's I'm really sad. haunting. Crazy. It is. And and I've, I'm sad that he didn't do more with John Cale, like John Cale didn't do more with him.
2: <laughs> because it is so beautiful. I know it was a, it was a good exploration because that where he comes from you know where he approaches the um the nick's music from seems slightly different from you know the, some of the other guys are like from fairport stuff, so it was more of a similar um thing which they did a, an amazing job right but uh Maybe he comes at it a little, you know, a little more from the left field thing. And and what he brought to it it was so tasteful. Yeah, you wouldn't uh, draw a line from the uh, Velvet Underground
1: to Nick Drake. That's a crooked line, you know, a very crooked line to draw.
0: (laughs) Stephanie says that she wants to know why she's given
2: half her life to people she hates now. But so, man. But the the the, the con, con, convergence right there is um, pretty hard to uh, deny. Right,
1: right, yeah, it is, and it's beautiful. And like I said, that's the one thing. It's 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 sad in a way. I feel like, oh man, imagine if they did like a album together, like an whole album together. Nick yeah, and, uh, John Cale. Uh, that would have been something. All right, so uh, purportedly, uh, this next one, poor boy. There's, there's, I, I, read some interesting thing about it, but let's listen to it first, and then uh, okay, we could talk about it. Um, uh, but you know, because sometimes you listen to a song and you think one thing, but then when I, I read things about it, and then it makes you listen to it a little different way. But let's listen to it a little bit first right. of poor boy.
0: To sing for my supper. I never help my neighbor. Never do what is proper. My fair share of labor. I'm a poor boy, and I'm a rover. Can't you? Throw them over my shoulder, I may grow older Nobody knows, how cold it grows And nobody sees, how shaking my knees Nobody cares, how steep my stairs And nobody smiles, if you cross the.
1: Okay, so there's a lot to unpack with this song. I feel like, but what's your first? I want to hear what's your thoughts on this song.
2: I don't know. Um, nobody stares. How nobody cares how steep my stairs. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. Good. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot going on, and and the music's almost lighter than the. You know, it, it elevates it to. Uh, I mean, it. Um, I don't want to say elevate, but it um, it lightens it some. Cause yeah, the jazziness yeah. Right, sort right. Sort of belies, belies the you know the heaviness of the lyrics and stuff. Right, right. So,
1: uh, first of all, the first thing I read was that, purportedly, uh, this uh, he's a, a South African jazz musician, Chris yes. McGregor, recorded McGregor. his this piano in there, which is beautiful. Purportedly, he did it in one take, one single take.
2: Wow. Right. <laughs> which is cool. It's really uh, one of the highlights of, the, of this record, just about, I think, the solo on this thing.
1: It is, it is. And... Also, I guess they did the idea that I, I think the uh, producer came up with was that the uh, backups, which is uh, in the chorus, which is sung by P.P. Uh, P. Arnold and Doris Troy, which are, you know, sole uh, singers. Right. And supposedly they were supposed to meant to emulate like the mocking female voices in Leonard Cohen. You know, uh, So Long Marianne, the Leonard Cohen song. Not
0: so long. Cry and cry and laugh about it all again.
1: And supposedly that was the idea. Yep.
2: Yeah.
1: So make them like the poor boy, you know, the poor boy was supposed to be like a mocking thing. Cause that's, cause the kind of the whole song is kind of like him sort of, sort of making fun of himself way or sort of chiding himself for being so, you know, despair, like so down all the time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that about the backing book because that's pretty cool.
1: No, I didn't either. And that's why that's why I said once I read that and hear it, I I can't help but listen to it in a different way. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, that is really clever. The way that yeah, it yeah. is almost like that does. It does change things. I didn't know that. <laughs> right, right. Um, it's great. And that's it comes yeah, back it changes to changes
2: things for that. For yeah, you
1: it comes back to the thing again. That's the one thing I love about rec- really great records is the amount of thought and care that can go into them. You know, to 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 make songs sound the way they do, and then mm-hmm. it's the little details. Exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah which is great, which is uh, yeah, w- w- obviously what
2: we all love, and uh, people. <laughs> that's why we listen to. Uh, to which these- I'm just learning for the first time right now. That that tale that you just.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it's great. That's a great thing. There's always cool. new things to learn. You know, something that was released in 1970. What did we say? 70, uh, 71. 71. Yeah. Isn't that crazy?
2: 71. Yeah.
1: That's great. And we're still talking about it.
2: Wow. <laughs> yeah, we should be talking about it. We should. We should. This is fun. I'm glad. I'm glad I chose this record because this is fun
1: yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really glad you did too, and that's why I always tell people not to overthink it too much, but just to come out with something, because it isn't necessarily going to be the, you know, your all-time greatest record, favorite record that you want, but just like you said, you you did exactly what you should do, just think of something interesting to talk oh, that would be interesting to talk about, because that, that album's cool, and that's, you know. But you know,
2: I was just scrolling through, and I hit one of these songs, you know, and I was like, and it just brought back all this, like, sort of feeling that I remembered, like, when I used to heavily sort of listen to all this stuff and right. <laughs> i was like oh i got the same feeling you know so that's a great you know there's a couple things I, I i was looking for other things to talk about with some other people too and so i i delved back into my past and and stuff that i you know just i used to listen to the crap out of and i just didn't have it listen to it in, in recent years but i'm like the, those certain ones like this when i oh yeah that's you know yep that's what I'm talking about. So it's, it exactly. still is true, you know, like years and years later, you know?
1: Yep. That's the one, that's the one great thing. The best, uh, one of the best byproducts of doing this show is that I get to listen to stuff because you know how it is normally you get older, especially you, I'm sure you make your own music. So you, you, you really can't listen to as much music as you'd probably like to, you know, cause you have a uh, life. and yeah, exactly So this forces that's me exactly to listen true. to uh, great music and which is great. <laughs> Well, another
2: great one coming up, Northern Sky. Yep, this is
1: another one that John Cale uh, plays on. And I guess this one is another one that, you know, as you say, he's, he's so known and you so think of him for these sort of, melancholy down songs but this one is k- kind of joyful sounding and i think this one it does sound like he's singing like it's a little more upbeat yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's kind of a love song and i don't know did you read it all because i read that it's spe- there's speculation that the song's about linda thompson
2: oh i think that but a long time ago i read some biography a long time ago and i don't remember a lot of it right now but um, that does sound familiar rob
1: Yes, that, just speculation though,
2: because I don't think there's any hard
1: evidence that it is be, about yeah, Linda difficult. Thompson, but it, it is kind of cool to just think and imagine that it could be, you know?
2: Yeah, wow, I didn't uh, yeah. And it kind of yeah, makes that sense. you sounds familiar now, I think I, think I didn't yeah. It kind of does make sense, yeah. It, it does, it does, well, it's so a great, it's nice. It's a great one, and this, maybe this song is known by people a little bit, for some reason. What was this in? Was this in something? I, I probably because they do use you know once
1: again of course Paul uh, hopefully someone in his family uh, you know gets uh, residuals or something because it's <laughs> these poor people you know they go so soon and then other and this could be used easier. in lots
2: of stuff because it's so, it's perfect for some movie stuff because it's so evocative you know it's so, it's so evocative like, and cinematic it really sounding. sets a mood of something like right now you know exactly exactly and like think, first notes you got a mood you yeah, know exactly
1: and once again the combination of uh, him and John kale I think is like magic. You know, it's, it's it's
2: also kind of cool that this one, the more hopeful, kind of upbeat thing here, um, is closing out really the, the the lyrical part of the record, yes. I guess. anyways and yes, um, in, exactly. ending it on a, on a upper, upper a higher agree.
1: Let's do a little bit of the. I never felt magic
0: crazy. Never saw moons knew the meaning of the sea I never held the motion in the palm of my hand I felt sweet breezes in the top of a tree But now you're here Bright in my northern sky A long time that I'm waiting. I've been a long time that I'm blown I've been a long time that I've wondered. But through the people I have known, oh, if you would and you could, straighten my new
1: mind's eye. Ah, so so beautiful. And you got Junko, so Junko, he's playing the piano organ, and what is that instrument? The the
2: Celeste, it's another uh, keyboard instrument. That's how uh, like I was look- going to ask
1: you, Celeste, I didn't even know how to pronounce that. It. <laughs> you know I was
2: noticing uh, his piano stuff on that, which is amazing, um, is a little bit, put me in the mind of the um, the McGregor stuff on the other song, right. you know, because it's like really sort of free, free-forming, you can see it maybe happening in one take, you know, that kind of a feel, like you yes. said. It made me feel like that, and I really like that feeling where it's just kind of like, they just showed up and they're <laughs> putting this part on. <laughs> like, right, he just right, walked in right. the studio and he's playing this piano part, you know? my like his impression of the whole thing is this, at this moment, that's all he knows of it. And It has that feeling I right. really like for these songs.
1: Right. Which is nice, which adds a little, yeah, because some of it, you know, it's a fine line because sometimes, you know, this could be, this could be a totally different animal. If you take this like singer, you know, folk singer guy and just put these musicians in and if someone really doesn't know and does it uh, clumsily, it could all just sound thrown together and not good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like um, it's not like overdone like by the musicians. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's really easy. Like the, the uh, rhythm section, you know, the sort of Fairport Convention rhythm section, you know, they know exactly how to handle it, right? And but yes. it sounds very natural. But then these others, these other more featured sort of side players like John kale it's got kind of a, it's uh, kind of a, an unpolishedness to it, like a free, um, in a good way, you know, like a, oh yeah, it's not for sure, like a, for sure, not like a slick part, you know, and pr- played flawlessly and all. It's it's more about the it's really a vibey part and um it's more like they're searching for the notes kind of in a way they're like you know like i'm going here i'm going here like a like a really cool jazz performance that happens differently each time you do it you know there's not like a i can't see a chart sitting in sitting in front of you know donkel's playing that piano those notes from a chart i don't think so it seems more like he's he's finding these things reacting to the feeling of the song which i think that really um Works well and, and um, elevates the whole proceeding to a cool level and keeps it from being too too precious or something or right, too right. slick and who cares about it kind of thing. You know, yeah, keeps yeah. the emotion at the forefront. I yeah,
1: because you could have. Could you imagine you could have just got a session piano player and given them the charts to it, and it would not have been the same thing.
2: Yeah, I mean they could have, and somebody could have done a, a cool job on it. No, I'm not saying that, but like I, I like the way that this. I'm not sure what their method was, but I like the way it sounds. Like it's a little bit more exploratory and and reactionary to the music itself, instead of like oh, I'll do this part that uh, you know this will work fine, you know, like that, like a utility, <laughs> right, <laughs> less like right. the utility, and more like you're adding these these uh, splashes of color to the to the canvas that are unique to, to the perspective of that performer you know and like somebody else wouldn't do that but it's so cool you know
1: it is as we said before he closes he starts it he starts the second side and he closes it out with uh, with the instrumentals this is the final instrumental and it closes out the record and it's pretty and it's nice and uh,
2: this is a great uh, Robert Kirby thing
1: oh okay okay
2: very nice uh, tastefully uh, arrangement yeah yeah, for
1: sure all right let's let's do a little bit of Sunday Sunday mm-hmm. Cinematic s- sounding. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I just think it, it's so it's so interesting that he was, uh, you know, sort of stretching out and, and trying these different things. And it's just so, it's like you imagine, imagine if he had like a 20 year career, or 30 year career, yeah. what, you know, what music he would have come out with. It's just like, it, it's yeah, so it's sad to, say, to think but- about that. Yeah.
2: But that was, you're right. It's very cinematic. That's sort of like the, the end of the, the end credits of the, uh, brighter later movie. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Strings, man, all the strings throughout the whole thing. Just so really kick my ass. I don't know.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh yeah, it's great. And um yeah, I'm I'm really happy uh that you brought this uh album in to talk about. Uh we definitely needed like I said, we did five leaves left with the uh with my famous friend, Mr. Rat Bastard, Frank Filestra, who also did uh he did a Sandy Denny, uh, Sandy Denny episode where he did. Uh, oh. So he's really this I is love his, Sandy this Denny is Denny real. Too. Even though he's like a, uh, a a noise guy and everything, that's bullshit. He really loves all this folk hippie stuff.
2: <laughs> loves the English folk rock. Yeah, yeah, that's well, it's it's great stuff, man. It you, is. You dig into? Yeah, I do. It, I love Sandy Denny too. It's great. I was just listening to uh, some Sandy Denny, the song uh, uh, "Long Time" and that takes a long time. Yes, it's got. Um, is that the one? It's got like Sneaky Pete by now from the Burrito Brothers to play in the Steel. And, uh, oh, okay. And yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, you would you would actually like, you should check out, we did the, the episode, the, the Sandy Denny episode, and there there was things in there that I, I wasn't familiar with. And it's oh, all Well, great. you know, I don't
2: know that much about her particular, but I just, I love some of those records. So I, I'll check that out. That's yeah, nice. you
1: should. You should, because it's,
2: uh, yeah. Never, uh, you, I'm going, I'm going there No one out. knows
1: it. He's like, no <laughs> one knows any of this shit. It's the best shit that ever was ever recorded. No one knows that. <laughs> <laughs> well, He's kind of right, kind of right in a way. Well, yeah, he he always thinks he's right. Um, all right, Paul, this was a uh, this was great. So once again, I just want to. Uh, once again, I don't know. I feel like sometimes people think I'm just like bullshit. Like if I have someone on, but I promise you, if someone comes on and they're and they have a release and I don't like it, I'll just say, oh, it's good, but I won't go on about it because it's like I got to be honest. But uh, yeah, the. Uh, <laughs> The
2: small square. That's good. You know, I was just thinking. I was just thinking. Have, have I seen a bad record review lately for, for anybody? Because I don't know if I have. And I think maybe we're getting away from, you know, like the Spinal Tap. You know, Shark Sandwich. Oh right, shit right. Sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> you know, have we seen a bad? Not that I want a bad one, but I mean, I'm no, wondering. If I, like, I know what you mean. I'm wondering if like a three star review now is a bad review. The same thing. You know, like the the new Black or whatever. Right. Right.
1: I know what you mean, but you, you know how it is. And then sometimes, but sometimes when they used to do that records that were panned and then 20 years later, they, they, you know, be totally thought of a different way and said, Oh, we screwed up with that. It's really, you know, we gave it two stars. It should have been five stars. So who knows? Right. But yeah. I think you're right. I think sometimes people, they're more concerned with like selling moving product and, uh, and that, but whatever, I don't care. Uh, people who listen to the show know that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm all about being real. And, uh, the latest release uh, by the Small Square Hours and Others is really great. I mean, it's just, it's just really great. If you're a fan, I would say if you're a fan of this or if you're just a fan of really good music, well... Uh, well played, well sung, well performed. It's just really great. Uh, it's good stuff. So you can go to uh, smallsquaremusic dot com or the smallsquare.bandcamp.com oh, thanks,
2: yeah. thanks, Bob. I really had fun. I had fun being on the show.
1: Good, I'm glad. And I thanks. also had fun being on the show. So
2: thanks so much for having
1: me. Yeah, and thanks for getting. I know it's early for you in Japan. I still can't wrap my head around everything, and uh, that uh, you're <laughs> that you're
2: ahead of me. I, well, it's in the future, and tomorrow I know will be that you're pretty, in the future. Pretty nice.
1: <laughs> But thanks, uh, thanks for making time <laughs> and coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening.
2: Thanks, thanks.
1: a lot. Appreciate it, man. Oh, and uh, I, actually, I forgot. I got to do my little thing. Don't forget on Instagram and Facebook, you can follow us at at that Rick got Me. Hi on exits at Tiramage Podcast. You can email me at tiergmh thirty three at gmail.com. Most importantly, if you want to become a patron of the show, we have a new patron episode that we're starting uh, now. That's going to come out in. Uh, I don't know two weeks you can go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH start uh, participating in those they're a lot of fun thanks again Paul for coming on thanks everyone for listening I'm Rob Elba we'll see you all next week
2: alright bye bye baby